0: Hello everyone. Thanks for tuning in again. You're listening to Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show, the UK Geek Podcast. This is episode 402, recorded on Sunday the 5th of September 2021 at 23.34.56. Yes, I'm back. Hello. Hello. I do apologise for the schedule going to hell. In the first bit of the pre-show section, I'll explain why. The first heading that I have in the pre-show section is entitled Poop Deck, which, God help me, is another nautical term that I'm abusing again. Because I've been feeling like poop. My digestion, teeth, and so many other health issues, as well as bills are getting on top of me again. I can't even begin to describe how many things there are, so you know what? Why even bother? Sod it all. Instead, let's slump into a nice deck chair on this warm tropical desert island with a nice cool drink in hand and do the show. Yes, I'm not actually on a desert island, I do have a nice cool drink not too far away from me, a nice pear cider. I am, as usual, taping this show in merry old England, although we have taped in other countries before. It is, however, quite warm. It doesn't feel like the heat wave that was predicted, but it does feel quite nice. So, are you imagining that nice... Warm, tropical, desert island, that cool drink, the deck chair. Okay, let's do the show. Starting off in the culture section this week, Moonfall. This is a crazy moon-crashing disaster flick by Roland Emmerich, starring Halle Berry. I saw the trailer yesterday. I miss those ridiculous, uh, huge... Roland Emmerich spectacles... I miss those big popcorn summer sci-fi movies, so I am in, 100%. And also, Halle Berry... Oh... The funny thing about this story is that I was just teasing Lionsgate in the last episode for becoming a House of Schlock, and then this trailer drops. It's a Lionsgate film. But who cares? We could all do with some welcome relief seeing a film about the Earth being destroyed. No, I'm not actually angry about it. I'm happy. It should be a fun film, and I'm looking forward to it. And that is Moonfall. Next, let's talk about a TV show, a couple of TV shows that I have seen. First of all is Vigil which is a BBC thriller uh, about a murder that happens on board a nuclear submarine. Um, Surprisingly, it's atmospheric and tense and claustrophobic. And I am certainly enjoying it a lot. In fact, I have the next episode stacked up on iPlayer to watch right after doing this show. However, yeah, that had to be a however. Well, it's not a big one, but it's just because I've seen so many things over the years. I cannot help comparing Vigil to an episode of the Monk comedy show about the detective titled Mr. Monk is Underwater from 2008. That is also about a stressed out detective sleuthing it out on board a sub. By the way, that episode of Monk, and in fact, the whole long, long series of Monk is highly recommended by me. But yeah, I am enjoying Vigil. Next, the other TV thing that I watched recently, possibly last night or this morning, I don't know, but very, very recently, The last thing of note that I thought to put in my podcast was a show called Warrior from 2019. Here in Warrior, ah, we have the grand old tradition of the Kung Fu Western. Is it problematic? (laughs) Is it another thing that I'm going to watch and cringe? Actually, no. Thank the gods, it's a fighting action drama about a guy from China looking for his sister in old San Francisco. Please, right at this moment, allow me a small tangent on the dialogue. I do not care how artfully the transition to English is, exactly like the method used in the film The Hunt for Red October, Though the characters are supposedly speaking Chinese, I hate it. The American market demands English dialogue or dubbing, but Americans, I'm looking at you now. You should grow up and live with subtitles like the rest of the world, who appreciate them. Oh, and by the way, America... This drubbing that you're currently getting from me is not at all related to the two-star rating some twit from the Apple Podcasts USA site gave me. No, it's absolutely nothing to do with that at all. Warrior is based on the writings, and I did that horrible, horrible rabbit-ear double-gesture air-quote thing. When I said that, I never do that. I just did that right now. Of Bruce Lee. It is bloody. It is sexy. It is extremely violent. And I feel it is in fitting with the excess of the 1970s, which was, after all, Bruce's era, brought back in time to the 1870s. But as this is a modern TV show and Bruce is long dead, there is a little bit of that blade-like EDM thrown in. (laughs) Which, in itself, is a little old-fashioned. Yeah, so perhaps not quite as modern as I thought. Ah, interesting. Warrior is much better than hokey old David Carradine's Kung Fu that I had to suffer through As a child, I say suffer through, it wasn't that terrible, but I was always ill at ease with David Carradine playing this half-Chinese warrior monk, even back then. I like warrior, but here is the thing and the reason why I don't think I'm going to be watching this. There is a very realistic depiction of racism, which was around at that time, and is completely factual. The thing is, it gets me down, and I'm not sure I can watch two whole seasons, which is the amount of stuff they've put out so far, and just continue seeing the suffering of characters, even if, now and then, they get to fight back which you will see if you watch the first episode of Warrior. As I'm speaking, I can see my waveform, and it does look like my sound is different this week, and I'll explain why soon. But let's move on to something else now. And this next item in our culture section is titled No Close Encounter with Alan Moore. Yeah, that. Encounter that I may or may not have had, I did not. You see, I have a recollection of Alan Moore, a gangly flash beard and wizarding stick, wizarding themed walking stick, not an actual staff of wizardry, although I'm pretty sure Alan Moore could pull that off, legging it up a train platform some years ago. Recently I was pondering this uh, while trying to deal with a massive dose of caffeine that was just stewing my brain and that caffeine must have created some extra neurons to that memory and I suddenly wasn't so sure. Was it something I was told then adopted as my own memory? I did some investigation. I went back through my Twitter timeline and found a tweet from 2016 encouraging a guest to tell their Alan Moore story. There you are. It wasn't my story, although even now I can actually see the imagery of Alan Moore sprinting down a platform. Do you see how unreliable memory is? My excuse for this slip is that I'm aging, I'm unwell, I'm tired, I've done over 400 shows, well, you know, 402 episodes of this show, tweeted more than 16,000 times, and I am 16.73 light years away from home, if you believe that I am the character who I play in this podcast. Well, I sort of am, but just not the alien bit. Well, not that I know of. Move on. I'm not insane. Look, after four hundred episodes, there are going to be some podcasting cockups. I'm just going to let myself off the hook for this one. At least I found out the truth behind it. Ah. Mm. Ah, pear cider. On to the next article, and that is to do with werewolves and why I love werewolves. We talked a lot about werewolves last time, but I thought I'd share with you the origin of this very common obsession that I and a lot of other horror geeks have. For me, it's personal You see, I grew up as a minority within a minority within a minority. And I felt powerless. I felt besieged on all sides by my not-so-nice neighbours, my not-so-nice community, by not-so-nice authority. And there was nowhere to escape to. Werewolves, on the other hand, while they are a minority... They are far from powerless. It does not, therefore, take a degree in psychology to decipher why I identified with the lycanthropes. The theme of minority oppression is seen throughout the genre. In the Underworld series, Michael Sheen plays Lucian, a werewolf revolutionary leader. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had an image of a werewolf in a uh, Che Guevara Berry. Back to Lucien in Underworld, he tries to throw off the shackles of enslavement imposed upon his species by the posh and entitled vampires. In the Howling films, dirt poor artistic widows, the Quist siblings are werewolves. In the Gary Brandner novels that spawned the movies, Eddie Quist was a blue-collar schlub. In my mind, I escaped into the woods of the imagination. I even fashioned for myself in real life a wolf belt buckle. Wolves represented power and freedom, and by God, I was going to stand naked in the cold moonlight and howl. At least, in my head. Don't worry, I wouldn't actually do that. Don't think I have. Well, certainly not with my clothes off. Doing that in reality would be absurd to the nth degree. Though, I'm not judging... And it's not just werewolves, it's also (sighs) questionable characters from entertainment media, like Dirty Harry, Judge Dredd, and others who I have mentioned before in the same context. I just thought I'd drop that in if you thought self-identification with werewolves might be problematic. Anyway... Moving away from psychology to entertainment, how can we all appreciate our inner wolf? You can jump into the werewolf genre quite easily. It is everywhere. But here's a selection of things just off the top of my head. Rather, my show notes. There is Richard Corbin's comic book Rhoda and the Wolf, which is a Paleolithic retelling of Little Red Riding Hood. There is, of course, Angela Carter's Company of Wolves and Neil Jordan's film adaptation, both of which I love. There is Hammer Film Productions' The Curse of the Werewolf, starring Oliver Reed. Who can forget that from their childhood? There is Jack Nicholson's Wolf. <laughs> Oh, I'm just remembering the scene in the toilet between him and James Spader. There is The Sublime Wolfen, the film and The Wolfen, the novel by the crazy and very interesting Whitley Stryber. And The Wolf Boy Lucan, from the 1978 1979 uh, or 1970s TV series. He was a 1970s urban Mowgli. My favourite, and I'm constantly mentioning this franchise, is The Howling, of course, which I suggest that you urgently seek out. I'm going to stop now because there is just so much of werewolf Lore and, oh, Teen Wolf, look, it just goes on forever. Everyone wants to howl naked in the cold moonlight. Pop culture is just completely replete with so much that one's bloody cup runneth over with blood. (coughs) Okay, something else. Cinema is not dead. I keep hearing other entertainment commenters, podcasters, YouTubers debating this endlessly about how the pandemic is killing cinema. I think we should all stop whining about the demise of cinema. It isn't going to happen. Cinema is such a root part of nerdly character and, uh, well, just human character in general. It's just such an important part of us. It is not going away. Let's not forget that the concept of multiplexes dates back to the beginning of the 20th century, then only started to come to prominence in the 1980s and the 90s. Before that time, what the hell do you think we did? We didn't just bang rocks together for entertainment. No, we went to the cinema. It was still there. It was a special occasion. I was chatting to my mother about this. She said it was a very special occasion to go to the cinema. But it was not fundamentally any more expensive either. I say it's a special occasion. It was to families like us who weren't that rich... But it wasn't the most expensive thing that you could do either. In fact, I feel subjectively, I haven't done the economic research on the historical price data of ticket prices, that multiplexes, despite their commodification of the cinema-going experience, have not reduced ticket prices Even if many multiplexes and other types of cinema, like art house cinemas and what they call mum and pops in the US. What we call them here, I don't know. Small businesses, I suppose, like the Prince Charles. Although I hope that particular cinema does not close. When the pandemic ends, others will step in to take their place. Because where there's a niche in the market, there's someone willing to exploit it. You know, capitalism. What we should all be more worried about is that the pandemic just continues. If that happens, then cannibalism, not ticket prices, will be our problem. Now I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> cannibalism? Look. I hope that doesn't happen, and I hope the cinema comes back, and I'm sure it will. I'm crossing my fingers as we speak. Let's talk about the Mary Wollstonecraft statue, a work of art made by a famous artist called Maggie Hamblin. This sculpture of the author... Mary Wollstonecraft was unveiled last year in Newington Green in North London. Mary who? Yeah, I don't want to keep on saying that surname. It's hard to say. She was Mary Shelley's mum. Yes, she was the mum of the woman who wrote Frankenstein. The main reason, apart from that, apart from being a famous mum, that she has been immortalised in this silvery statue can be seen from her epitaph, which states, Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin, author of A Vindication of the Rights of Woman. Let us now talk about the statue itself, and the reason we're even talking about this is it has courted controversy. I think that the statue showing a short-haired and athletic Wollstonecraft emerging from a vague fountain of female forms, looks dynamic and modern. My interpretation of this statue is that it represents the subject triumphantly emerging and simultaneously part of all the women who came before her. Unlike another statue called Scallop, which also caught controversy, This time, the debate isn't so much about its location, but the subject's nakedness. I don't agree, because nudity was not my initial thought when I first saw it. On the subject of that other Maggie (laughs) Hamling statue scallop, I also like that. It is a shell-like formation, which was made in memory of Benjamin Britten and placed in Suffolk. And this is where I diverge from Maggie Hamlin's assertion that it is in the right place. I find its placement obnoxious, although I find the statue itself unobjectionable. The problem is, in an age when our views of the landscape and the seascapes and other beautiful views are diminishing, the less blocking architecture we have to put up with, the better. I used to live in Vancouver, and I watched as each year went by, more and more buildings and things just blocking every single view until by the end of my time in Vancouver, you couldn't look in any direction without having your view blocked out by a huge building. So, back to Maggie Hambling. While I have largely no problem with her work, the two statues that I've previously mentioned, and also who couldn't like the statue of Oscar Wilde across the road from Charing Cross train station, I find that Maggie Hambling does herself no favours in her cantankerous and hostile defence of her art. Recently, on BBC's Hard Talk, she bleated on about the tyranny of political correctness, a term used in the modern context by the right to illogically castigate anything they don't like. I find this ironic, because the term was first used to criticise Nazis – I do wish people would stop whining about what they perceive as the oppression of political correctness. Maybe they should consider that they are just looking for an excuse for their rudeness. And while we're on the subject of culture, I read recently of an Afghan folk singer who had been murdered. On August 31st, Hannah Ritchie of CNN Sourcing an Associated Press report wrote that Afghan singer Fawad Underabi was murdered by the Taliban in a rural location north of Kabul. That act has sparked fears that the Taliban have not changed since their last rule from 1996 to 2001 when they banned most music. As we have seen, most of the taken over media broadcasting outlets have stopped playing music. Back to the tragic death of this folk singer, his son said he was innocent, a singer who only was entertaining people. Yet. Here we go again, another attack on culture, and I worry too about the rich treasure of historical artefacts again at risk from the Taliban, not to mention the human cost of murders, the repression of women, the continuing tragedies like the failed rescue attempt by a contractor to evacuate 400 of his staff, and the horrendous US drone strike that may have killed several children in Kabul. I thought the war was over. You know what, now I do need to relax a bit, because I've got my back up a little about that stuff. Oh, okay. Another sip of cider. Hmm. Okay. I'm resting my head back in that virtual deck chair again on that nice warm desert island. In the evening, watching the sea roll out. Let's move on to the next thing. Spock is wrong. Spock is wrong? According to a recent episode of the BBC More or Less podcast, Mr Spock's statistical prognostications are mostly wrong. The thing is, we are always shown on the original TV show... That Spock's calculations, McCoy's humanity, and Kirk's unconventional approach are all valid. One is not better than the other, it just depends on the situation. But, anyway, if my hero Spock is wrong a lot on the show, he certainly knows how to bluff it out in style. Dark Mirror, spot anyone? That beard is the very definition of a goatee. It is the coolest goatee in the multiverse. Even if it was a spirit-gummed-on chin wig. <laughs> oh, okay, and that is it for Culture this week. Let us move on to technology. Topical again in our first article... Hackers liberate Iranian prison abuse data. A BBC article reports that a hacktivism group called Edalat-e-Ali, which translates or is transcribed as Ali's Justice, exfiltrated video footage from Evin Prison CCTV showing the physical abuse of prisoners, including fighting, beating, neglect etc. Iranian prison authorities have apologised. I'm sure they have. We're flip-flopping all over the place today. Let us move on from hacktivism to audio talk. Let's talk some mics and some studio equipment for a bit. I said that you may have noticed my sound is different tonight. I did do one previous podcast with this microphone, I wasn't entirely happy with it, but maybe that's because I'm not used to it. What am I talking about? I have retired General Blackblood, which is what I called my Behringer XM8500. He has been replaced by Rudolph, a short, which I call Rudolph, because he has a red windscreen over the wire basket. Rudolph is currently Mic 1 in my studio. I say currently because I'm not sure he'll be Mic 1 forever. Other mics that I have include Stogie, an Audio-Technica 875R shotgun mic. Stogie is a key member of the outside broadcasting unit, although I haven't been out for quite a while. The next mic I get will be named Rojaws, which should tell you what mic I might be re-getting. Oh, God. And, yeah, I do love 2000AD. Let's do a mic tangent for a moment. There is a YouTube vid of an old video of Lemmy singing We Are Motorhead, ...with a mic that looks like an SM58... ...with a weird SM57 type basket in silver. If you know what that mic is, let me know. Back to the short SM58 that I'm speaking into right now. To my inexpert ears, it sounds like an SM7B, which I had briefly... With the Presence Boost engaged, what do you think? If you are one of the many, many podcasters and YouTubers who have seen this mic in use and decided to splurge out on one yourself, it is a cliché. But the mic is a cliché for a reason and you have not wasted your money, so don't beat yourself up, do not return it too soon. I'm saying that because the mic is very versatile. There are a set of switches at the back which can largely help you find a tone suitable for most voices. It also has good extraneous noise protection in the form of an internal suspension mount and nice thick metal. And it is also resistant to, apparently, electrical interference because it has a built-in humbucking coil. It is expensive, but to compare it to other broadcast dynamics like the, oh, so expensive, Electro Voice EV20, which is a mic that I considered along with the Shure SM7B and, in fact, the SM58 years and years ago. I'm progressing slowly in sound quality, I hope. But then this is a podcast, so it doesn't have to be perfect. On to another mic. Let's talk for a moment about the Rode Procaster. You know, that great big thick Australian mic that is also favoured by a lot of YouTubers and is a lot cheaper than the standard SM7B. There is a lovely performance on YouTube by a Filipino band on the Wish 107.5 bus. Yes, there is a bus that drives at great speed through the roads of the Philippines on which bands will perform in this cool little glass bubble of a room. It is really cool and the performances are really good and I recommend that you seek out that YouTube channel. I'm getting to the mic bit. The bus is known for using the Rode Procaster, which is a notoriously P-pop happy mic. The sounds of P's and B's tend to be hell for a lot of mics and the Rode Procaster is definitely one of those. My question is, how are the singers using these mics, not P-popping without an extra external windscreen or a pop filter? Are they just so amazing in their technique, or has someone buried some extra foam inside the mics? away from view if you know let me know (laughs) i know this is incredibly geeky but yeah geek podcast okay on to something else not to do with mics but still in the audio studio and that is the channel strip the dbx 286s i had one of these briefly before returning it which may have been a mistake Why did I not think of this clever little, I hesitate to call it the hack, but just a technique that I didn't think about from a user on Gearspace.com. And that is to run my raw audio in reverse out of my mixer and into the channel strip post-production. That is... Genius. Oh, I am sure I could get my audio sounding better using that technique. I could de the thing and compress it and just do a lot of extra stuff to make my audio sound better without interfering with the uh, dynamics of the original audio. Oh, man... How much extra stuff am I going to end up buying now? And this is all stuff that I've had before, tested and found wanting without really thinking. That is the way things go today. If you don't make a quick decision on whether you want something or not, then your window for returning equipment closes, and then you might be stuck with something that you'll have to sell on eBay at a loss. Ah... The trials and tribulations of being a podcaster. Moving on to another subject, and that is that I have found that perhaps static electricity can hurt USB hubs. You see, I tweeted recently that my Amazon Basics USB hubs were failing, incensed at the time I had wasted with... Trying to get these hubs to work, well, the remaining hub to work, I googled the problem and found several articles by different people describing how the ports are prone to static build-up that may cause them to temporarily fail over time. Temporarily. Ah. The cure, according to these articles, is to unplug the devices Unplug the power, if it's a powered hub. And then reconnect. Blow the band down, nautical reference. It does work. And I'm so glad I hadn't thrown the old hub in the dustbin. Yeah, so if your USB hubs are (laughs) starting to fail, it might not be a hardware error. Yeah, sure, it might be a controller IC on the PCB inside. Or it could be data contention. Or it just could be static electricity. Yeah, have you tried turning it off and on again? (laughs) Oh. Oh, I've... Oh dear, I've just got a tiny amount of pear cider left. And I've just drank that. So I might have to pause the taping so I can get something to drink. Just be back in a second ah okay refreshing i've got a large glass of water in fact a giant glass of water the size of a flower vase as uh, one of those odd little things that you can buy at ikea it's an amazing thing actually it's even survived a drop from about a meter onto uh, the floor which is pretty hardy we've got a hard floor not a carpet where was I? Yeah, I was going on about USB drives. Let us move on to the creative section now and talk about podcasting. Have you ever wondered how to see your Apple podcast reviews in other countries? Mike Russell has posted an article at musicradiocreative.com titled View iTunes Reviews in All Other Countries. It explains how to see your podcast reviews in other countries. He says, all you need to do is change the country code in the URL. I did that, and I discovered a couple of extra ratings, some of them not so good, from the US. Which, in conclusion, makes me question why I bothered with this technique in the first place, but it might be useful or more encouraging for you. The job update. How long has it been since the last update? The thing that happened is that nothing happened. I did not get the last job I applied for. It was with the BBC. So, I applied for another podcasting job. Uh, let's see. Not quite a week ago. I do desperately want to get back into creative media, but the only employers I can find that will even consider me aren't offering good, let alone adequate jobs. I'm talking about the emergency crappy jobs everyone is forced to do at some time in their life, and it is not as if I haven't already done my fair share of those emergency jobs in the past either. It would surprise you how often... But now, at this stage in my life, I'm too broken to go back to manual labour. Even if I wasn't too broken to go back to doing that, I don't think I would like to do that. Or who would? On the other hand, media was great while it lasted, but I'm considering IT again. Something in AI or VR, perhaps? Oh, Wait, what did I say about those two fields? Where are they going? Yeah, exactly. Okay. We talked about how to see Apple podcast reviews in other countries, my job search update. Let's talk about the title of this actual show, which is still irritating the hell out of me. I no longer want to aspire to... Characters like Dylan Thomas's "Under Milk Captain Tom Cat, Han Solo, Captain Ron, Captain Jack Sparrow, Captain Hadox, the very real and unpleasant Captain Avery. Thank you, that pirate history podcast. The bucket-wielding murderer Captain Kidd, the servant murdering Odysseus, or any other personification of tragedy or brutality that seems forever bonded to the title Captain. They never seem to end up in a good place. Or they end up with really terrible relatives. Ah, Captain Han Solo, I miss you. Yes, there is Sinbad, for whom things do work out well, but I'm not entirely sure. I don't know the entire history of Captain Sinbad. I do hope it works out well for him and there's no atrocities or terrible things in his future in the Arabian Nights, but generally titles, not just the title of Captain, but titles, I don't like them. I remember back to when I was working in IT, I was called things like, oh, you're an analyst programmer. Or you're a software engineer. Or you're a business consultant. When I was none of those things, I was actually, specifically, a systems analyst. Why didn't they call me that? Oh, wait, I don't like titles. The thing is, there's always a thing. I'm sick of titles. I'm sick of it all. Oh dear, spiral alert, spiral alert. I do not know what I'm going to do about this. Because, after nine years, I still don't know what to call this podcast. Nine years. That's it for the main part of the show. Let us sidle into the after show, thank God. But a few things to talk about in the after show section that have nothing to do with science fiction, fantasy or horror, or culture in general, or technology, not really. Let's talk fashion. (laughs) I often say how I am quite a quirky person. In actuality, I have quite a quirky family, both sides. My mother told me very, very recently days that she remembers the top hat I wore when we went to see cats in the West End many years ago. Top hat? What the hell? What? Top hat? I wore a top hat? What top hat? I don't have a top hat. I don't remember wearing a top hat. Although, now I've said top hat about 5,000 times, I really want a top hat. Pointy shoes. I was considering returning to pointy wizardy footwear. But, maybe not after I read a CNN article about how the medieval fashion for pointy shoes caused bunions. And we certainly don't want those. I've already got this huge lump on my middle finger. (laughs) Uh, From using pens. I don't want lumps on my feet, my toes. So I'm sticking to Wallabies and Chuck Taylors. I have recently been smelling fantastic, that is because I recently dropped and almost broke my precious bottle of summery smelling Eden perfume, which is a fragrance that is both a vegan clone slash tribute of something famous. I'm not surprised that the business Eden perfumes did not reply to my tweet because Admitting that their perfume pirates would be the last thing they need. I am staring at my bottle of Eden perfume right now. It is excellent and it smells lovely. Through the glass of my Rose's hmm, lemon and lime marmalade pot that I use for paperclips, I think. The point is that. I'm really worried that the next accident will kill that bottle and waste it all, so I might as well enjoy it while I have it. And the result of all this is I smell fantastic. And that is not an advertisement. Although, as I said previously, I'm not sure that Eden Perfumes would want to sponsor me anyway. But if they do, I'm open to offers. Ah, and that is it. Let us now enter the decompression chamber. Uh, Neptune's nuts, another nautical reference. And there's another one. There's another one. What is wrong with me? Let us continue how we started. And let us do that final slump further back into the comfortable deck chair on that lovely, balmy, tropical desert island of our minds. Sip that drink and watch the sun go down. The show that you just listened to is made by me, Roy Matur, a writer. Matur is spelled M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at roymatur.com. If you want to help, and why wouldn't you want to help? Unless you're a total bastard, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen, recommend it to a friend or mortal enemy. Or click on the contact or support link on the website. Thanks for tuning in. You were listening to Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show, the increasingly stupidly titled UK Geek Podcast. This was episode 402, recorded on Sunday the 5th of September 2021, but we've been talking so long it is now Monday the 6th of September 2021, and the time at the end of the show is 003703. Thanks for listening. And I was about to say bye bye for now, but I should tell you this computer has been up for 26 hours. Finally, bye bye for now. Bye. Ow.